0: Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, brought to you by our friends and partners at Fuel50. Here's your host, Mark Pfeffer. Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. And recording again today at the Expo Hall of the HR Technology Conference and Exhibition.
1: And I'd like my guest to introduce himself. Thanks, Mark. I'm John Baldino, president of Humoriso. Welcome, John, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Mark, thanks for asking me.
0: So, what's your impression here? Um, I mean, sometimes you think a trade show is a trade show, but this is the first one that the business has had in a while, Mm. Um, and obviously it's been kind of a crazy time. What message are you taking away?
1: Yeah, first of all, it's great to see so many people return. Um, I've been here at HR at the HR Tech Conference. I don't even know how many years. I think somebody told me ten. I don't want to believe that, but yeah, that it's been a while. Um, and seeing people sort of return um, has been number one—the thing that is so interesting—the community connection. You forget that even amongst technology, right? What we might perceive to be cold, it's it's really still the people behind it. And so there's one message there. It's nice to see the community reconnect. From an industry standpoint, though, I'd say the message um, is a couple of, there's a couple that are being said loudly, I believe. One, accessibility. It really is about how can these tools make work more accessible and make the experience of work more accessible for the people that we have the privilege of leading in the companies that that we either represent or work for. And then how do we help develop those people? Development would be the other piece, right? We're still, and and I know these words might seem passe, you know, we've talked about various contexts of accessibility for decades and development for decades, but it's never ending in a good way, right? But you want to always be thoughtful about how do we provide opportunity for development and to do so in ways that are more mobile, flexible, consider it. Um, it's it's great to hear companies being really thoughtful about those things.
0: And do you think the HR tech vendors are aligned with their users, meaning are they really serving the needs of employees and are they really serving the needs of the employers?
1: Um, you know, normally I would say this isn't going to be recorded, right? But of course it is. So here's my, my answer is uh, um, I still think we've got some room To improve there, I do believe that there have been strides made to be more considerate of the employees' experience. But I do think that there's some platforms that are still too, still have been designed too much for the, I'll say, the HR department and or finance, Mm -hmm. um, because of reporting structures and and data metrics. Not that they're not important, but. It's still some, it's too primary and we need to get back to it being a, uh, or we need to get to it being a little more employee considerate.
0: And it, it, it seems like a lot of dynamics are shifting. Employees are hard to get. <clears throat>
1: um, yeah. Companies
0: seem to know it. So, you know, is it realistic to think that the changes that need to be made actually will be
1: made? Um, I think it is. And here's why. Because if, if companies don't make those changes, I think they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in very quickly. Mm. I, don't, I don't think the market will put up with it much longer. Mm. Um, and there are too many um, uh, upstarts that are you know, poking the bear of the larger, say, enterprise-level uh, software than, and saying, you know, we raised $10 million. We've put this entire thing together, and we're talking to the same customers that you are at your, you know, umpteen billion dollar organization. They're letting us in the door to talk to them, and they're letting us in to show them what we can do. They're impressed by what we can do. Um, they also are impressed by the lack of bureaucracy that that is in place. Y- you're going to have to 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 kind of turn it around. Uh, those of you that are kind of in that stoic. You know, previous philosophy of approach, and I don't mean that to be disparaging. I, I don't mean it in the sense that none of the larger companies are trying to think that way, but it's harder to turn a ship that large. It's harder. Yeah.
0: You know that that sounds like a good scenario for people who are interested in integration, one way or another. Yes. Um, you know, it seems like integration is getting more and more prevalent, and you can almost see products that don't have an interface yes.
1: for the user. Yes. Are you seeing that and where do you think it's going? Well, it, you know, it's funny because I remember um, I, I'm a man of a certain age and so I've been in this industry for a little over 30 years. And so, you know, when you, you first heard things, terms that you didn't understand, open API, wow, revolutionary, right? And now it's, it's it has to be a must. It, you can't not have some of these, you know, um, features it seems silly almost to list it now. So when I look at tech today and you look at dashboards as one example, um, when you look at what employees would expect from that perspective, um, it doesn't always match what an employer wants to see. And I think that what, what we're seeing is employees saying, I don't know where I'm supposed to go with this dashboard. And how we define dashboard is it's supposed to give me a lay of the land. When I look at my car dashboard, I know how fast I'm going, how much gas do I have left, those kinds of things. And you can act accordingly and quickly. Mm-hmm. You can pivot. Oh, shoot. My, I have a quarter of a tank left. I better get gas. So I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to divert from the route that I'm on a bit to, to get gas. I think it's very much the same thing, or it's supposed to be, in the, in the work experience. In using something like, for, again, an example of a dashboard where, uh-oh, I need to go to the right or to the left. Can this product help me see that and do so with relevant information? That, I think, is what tech platforms have to be much more um, robust about and not just get hung up on these, you know, integration of data. Wonderful. It has to happen. It, it's a cost of doing business right now. It has to be able to integrate.
0: Um, wanted to shift gears a little bit. Sure. It's, um, it wouldn't be 2022 if I didn't ask you about skills. So. <laughs> Um, You know, it seems like the whole conversation about skills came around very quickly. Um, And someone pointed out to me that, you know, that conversation's actually been going on for a while. Yes. Um, It's just gotten louder. Yeah. You know, essentially. So what do you think employers are doing with it? Are Are they trying really to address this? Are they trying to understand the issue? Are they just pretending?
1: Yeah. Oh, man, what a good question. Um, I think some are pretending. I will go there with you. I do. I think some are pretending. I think, like anything else, um, there are buzzwords. And we want to we feign relevance by utilizing or using these words. right? And so you'll hear companies talk about, we're really into skill development. Well, what does that mean? It means um, get quicker at the work that you're doing. We want to help you skill up so you can be faster at your work. There may be something to that. If you make widgets, and you need to get to a certain quota. I understand that. But that's not really all that there is to skill development. What we're seeing right now, and it's fascinating to see some of the companies that are here that have really sort of upped the conversation on skills. You look at companies like Coach Hub and Bravely and some of these platforms that are doing coaching up and down the organization. No longer is it just executive level coaching, but coaching all over the organization opportunity for it. Well, what does that do? There are quite a number of skills that are developed through that kind of interface that never would have been before. One of the most fascinating things. And it's so funny that you said we've been talking about, we have been talking about skills. We called it the broader category of competencies. We've talked about this for years. No one really, you have these people who get promoted to managers, directors, And they're just mimicking what was done to them often. And really what their focus is on is management of process. And you need the people to get the process done. Um, Very rarely, very rarely do you have those that are really doing development work to teach people how to manage, teach people how to lead. And I know we've said that for years as well, but we still aren't doing a whole lot with it. So if I'm only going to replicate what it means... Um, in my own experience to the next generation, let's say of worker, I'm never really changing the narrative of how this has gone. And I think that companies right now, when they're talking about skills, they really do need to return to a sense of tactical, realistic job previews. Let's get back to some of that for people so they can actually know what they're doing. Um, I think we also need to give people an opportunity to experiment at work so we can see what skills sort of rise to the surface and really divide work a little differently? Everyone who's an account executive, do they have to do the same seven things, all of them? Can we not mix it up and have two that are really good at these three and two that are good at these other four? Split it up. It's okay. We're allowed to do that. The world says we can. So why don't we do it? Um, That's going to give organizations really the right to talk about skill development in the context that they ought to.
0: Okay. Now, I've heard it said that if you need skills, you do one of three things: you you buy them, yep. you build them, yep. or you borrow them. So, it strikes me that if you're an enterprise with a lot a, lot, a large workforce, yep. trying to figure out the right mix of that has got to be a difficult. Thing. Very. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So it's very difficult, and I'm going to use I'm going to use a a, a human resources a discipline that hardly ever gets talked about, and it's called workforce planning. Uh, We think workforce planning is synonymous with staffing, and it is not. Staffing is a part of workforce planning, but what you're describing is exactly the core of what workforce planning is about. Do we have what we need? If not, how do we get what we need? And I'm talking about general competencies, right? Including skills, knowledge, aptitudes, all of that. How do we get to it? Do we develop it from within? Do we get it externally? Can I borrow the contingent workforce? Can I partner with some other organizations to get some things handled? Yes, that's going to overlap into things like outsourcing, but it is also going to uh, overlap into things that really could become um, tied organizations where uh, one organization is always feeding the other X and then that receiving organization is feeding back Y. There's a lot of opportunity in technology for that to happen and happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so to come back to your question, I think that what organizations have to be thoughtful of is understanding how they're assessing gaps. Gap analysis work is really vital. And most HR people, um, love I'm going to say this in love, don't know how to do it because they've not been taught, to be fair. They've entered in a very transactional way and uh, have, have been promoted and maybe made their way up, but haven't really been given the tools to know how to strategically look at what those gaps are. Not just filling the gaps of open roles, right? But where we have some deficits in competencies.
0: Yeah, it seems the role of the HR practitioner is getting a lot more complicated yes. than it was even 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I'm, look, I started in personnel you know, 30 <laughs> years ago, so th- you don't have to tell me. It's, <laughs> it's definitely different.
0: One more question. Um, let me just ask you: What have you seen here at the show
1: that's really excited you? Yeah. Um, quite a few things. I want to say. Um, I I am. First of all, uh, if it hasn't been said yet, this is the largest number of tech vendors that have been at HR Tech Conference ever. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fantastic that there are this many ideas. One of the things, uh, one of the areas has to do with coming back to skills. What does learning look like for organizations? And I think we have to be thoughtful about what learning looks like for our classification of employees. We have to stop thinking about learning as just being about salaried individuals, but what about our contingent and hourly workforce? And mm-hmm. I think there are some companies here that are s- trying to solve for that, which is so exciting to see. I feel often the hourly workforce is left out of some of yeah. what we're doing here. The things that we try to give to the hourly workforce are, you know, you can you can have on-demand pay. That's wonderful. But we relegate them to kind of a one-need kind of, you know, area of our team. They need to be developed as well. So seeing tech platforms that are doing that. I mentioned coaching platforms I think are fascinating in seeing how many of them are popping up. And I also see a different way of, of um, sourcing for talent being done by some of the platforms that are here, you know, we love LinkedIn, yay! But not everyone's going to be there, and and not everybody wants to be there. There are there's a more of a percentage of people who self-select out of LinkedIn now because of the, you know, email harassment that they go through, the inmail harassment that they go through, just because of being constantly reached out to. So they've self-selected out now of that platform, and really made it much more difficult. We're over sixty percent of of white collar jobs being filled by passive sourcing right now. homeschool mm-hmm. school going after people. So there's platforms that are here now that are trying to help meet that, that real reality.
0: Well, I appreciate your time today. And it was great to talk with you. It
1: was awesome, Mark. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to People Tech of the HCM Technology Report. This HR tech series is graciously brought to you by our partners at Fuel50. For all other HR, sourcing, and recruiting news, check out HCMTechnologyReport.com.
1: Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast.
0: All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with a purpose and a passion, whether you're 25, 85, or any age in between. Gain actionable financial and mindset tips from your favorite authors, podcasters, and influencers to help you reach that exciting next chapter. Listen now and start building your path to financial freedom and reframing what retirement can mean to you. This is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate.